Welcome, everybody, to the Robert John the Wreck podcast. We're a five-piece rock and roll band from Orange County, California, that travels the world eating local foods, drinking local drinks, and melting faces. I'm Steve. I'm Warren. I'm Henry. I'm Robert. And I'm Andrew. And this is episode 83 for y'all. And us. 83. 83. Yeah, baby. Here we are. Yeah. I feel like every 80. episode after 80, I'm still just in shock at that we're still alive and doing it. Yeah, that means we're, we're doing it, bro. But we're almost, we're like a, almost to two years, but not quite like 75%. Hundreds coming up, I think, in, what is it, second week of July? I think it will be episode 100. Yeah, so and just be, for everyone that's listening, we have some huge plans for our 100th episode. Yeah! And we, we can't even talk to you about it yet because we don't even know exactly what those plans are yet, but it's going to be crazy. It's going to be You're insane. You're supposed to say... I have to keep them a secret because then we look like we know what we're doing. We do. That's why I said we have big plans. Yeah, but you said we don't even know what they are. You have to pretend like we do know what they are. Well, that's because you're the one planning it, and I don't really know what the plans are because you're trying to keep them a secret, Henry. <clears throat> I'm excited to see what you're right. there, Henry. That's going to be great. Henry's going to kiss an elephant. I'm going to let the cat out of this bag. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, well... Tune in. We secured the elephant. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> nope. Nope. You guys are expecting that because that's exactly what's going to happen for the 100th episode. <laughs> that's it. Uh, Just that. You should see the legality of having to clear an elephant for a podcast. There's so much red tape. <laughs> There's, we've been working with our lawyers for weeks about this. Yeah. And the zoologists. Weeks. It's a, it's a all of, of our pit. lawyers as well. We can yeah, the Robert John staff zoologist. When we when we talk about you know when we have our band meetings, it's really the elephant in the room. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> this guy. It's okay. They're in love though, so it's not a big deal. Who? The zoologist and the elephant. <laughs> oh, it's very. Yeah. It's, it's a working relationship, and it works. Oh, great. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> and that was that. Autumn Renee said, yeah. "Sure, it's harder with COVID because the the elephants um, were with you know the vaccination process. They're a little lower on the list, so we we have to wait until the summertime. It's also harder to get a mask around an elephant's trunk, if you can imagine. <laughs> Has to bend with the elephant. You have to keep it around each piece so it doesn't move off the snout. And then they're just trying to try to take it off." Thank it's you, Michael, true. for the kind words. Also, um, I I don't really know how I play slide, um, but I, I totally know what I'm doing when I play slide guitar. I will assure you that I definitely, a hundred percent, am doing it all deliberately. I know exactly what I'm doing. It's kind of like the hundredth episode of the podcast. We know exactly yeah. what's going to happen. Yeah, exactly. We kind of have to keep it under wraps yeah. for now. <laughs> but thank you, Michael. That's very nice of you. Yeah. Steve, how was your week? It was good. It was good. It was a good week. It was, it was busy, and it was fun, and I got to run sound again at the Hangar 24 uh, Music on the Runway with Hampton Productions. So it's been really nice uh, the last two weeks just getting to be outside for a change and run sound. Uh, the QSC Touch Mix 30 has been doing great, and we got the KLA rigs. And, uh, yeah, we set up some uh, satellite speakers this time to – Get the music a little further down the runway, and and uh, it was great. Flashback Heart Attack killed it, and uh, if you haven't seen them they before, uh, go check it out. They're they're eighties. They do uh, all eighties tribute music, 
And uh, they're fantastic, man. They sing their asses off. They play their asses off. And they do it all in red leather suits, which is uh, impressive, to say the least. It was good. And then today I had a, uh, I had a co-write with Jordan Griffin from uh, Them Evils. And that was really fun. Nice. We, we uh, knocked out a banger in a couple hours and excited to see where that goes. It was, it was good. War, what about you? Well, I was also at the Hangar gig, helping set up Hampton Productions. Shout out John Hampton, yeah. my man, running things over there. Ooh. It's nice to see you know community, friends, and people again coming out safely to enjoy music. <clears throat> and I second that. Uh, flashback heart attack did kill it, and and I did bring it up to them. I asked the guy. I said, Did, "Are those suits as hot as they look?" <laughs> and it was actually really cold that night. So he's like. I hope they are tonight. And then he was like, but at every other gig, they're unbearably hot. And uh, yeah, it, re- it really makes you respect somebody who wears a suit in, a, in a, an environment that is not suit friendly, such as a festival or pretty much anywhere that has high powered lights um, because it gets hot as shit. And uh, that's something I miss from playing live. I miss sweating. So. Kind of went on a divergent there. That had nothing to do with my weekend. But I got some family time in. You know, it was a weekend. Still, we're working on a lot of stuff. There's a lot of things in the hopper. There's a lot of things coming up. It's just nice to... uh, The wheel is slowly starting to turn again. So, um, yeah. Every day is kind of like... Just blurs into the same sort of thing. But live music is coming back. So, hell yeah. And we are playing this Saturday... At that Hangar 24 event, Music on the Runway, 6 to 9 p.m. with our buddies Balto. Come out, check it out. It's going to be a grand time. How was your week, Henry? Uh, it was good. It was uh, pretty pretty eventful considering, uh, you know, comparison to the last year, actually, um, which is nice. It's nice that there's becoming uh things to do and so we did that that live stream on thursday which was i really actually really enjoyed that um we haven't even done a live stream playing our music and uh, we've been working on our record so it was really nice to just get to do that and like play some guitar and play some of the old parts and get the gears turning on that again um my dad got his first uh shot for the uh covid vaccine nice Um, so we got dinner this weekend as well and that was cool i haven't seen my dad since like christmas so that was dope uh got to do that and yeah that's that's what i can think of but it was i think there was more stuff in there that was pretty fun um there's there's some interesting stuff in the works uh for my solo project king tree and the earth mothers that uh i'll be able to talk about a little more. It's not a crazy thing, but it's but it's just like a cool little fun thing that uh, I'm really excited for. It's gonna be cool. Um, Robert John, how about you? How was your week and weekend? Life was great. Um, yeah, we we had a great live stream um, down at. Sorry, there's a lot of wind and a lot of moving doors at my place right now, um, and. And sorry, I'm just worried oh, about my ghost back again. My, hey, hey, Andrew, it, can you go first? Uh, sorry, one second. Yeah, yeah, just, I'll I'll be right back. Um, 
<laughs> this weekend, I did a lot of research for something. It was more of an eventful working weekend than anything else, because I had a lot of stuff to catch up on. Because we were playing during the week and stuff like that, so that made it so I pushed a lot of stuff to Saturday and Sunday. But on Saturday night, I did actually go out to eat for the first time in a really long time. We went to this spot called Tender Greens, which is sort of like an in-between spot where it's not like a sit-down service sort of place. But you could still, like, get a bottle of wine and hang out. So me and Amanda just hung out uh, in downtown Pasadena. And interestingly enough, like, uh, a group of... Uh, a bunch of people on bikes drove by, and by a bunch, I mean like 500. So there's this like parade of people on bicycles because I guess it's like one of the only things that you can do right now. Wow. Uh, and they were just drove down Colorado. I guess people are tired of not having parades and shit like that, so they're like, we'll make our own parades. And it was to the detriment <laughs> of basically everyone out there because like they didn't give a shit about any of the cars or anything like that. They just sort of uh, did as they pleased. And so that was cool to watch. And then we had someone come up to us and go like, hey, are you going to finish that bottle of wine? And I was like, who the hell is like coming up and talking to us? And it was our friend that we hadn't seen since the beginning of COVID that like lives down the street from us that I've known for years and years and years that we went to high school with. So uh, we got to chat with them. It was like one of those cool feelings of like, oh, like, you know, oh, this is what it's like to be out and about again and talk to people and do all these things. So it was cool. Um, a lot of fun, weird, you know, synchronicity going on that we go out the first night, see someone we know, and see some kind of crazy-ass bike thing. And I bet a lot of people had that feeling just going out in uh, Pasadena. I think Pasadena is probably one of the most, most aggressive places in L.A. County trying to get back on track. Uh, because I know Pomona, which is the place I work, that area has not gotten back on track. They're not doing outdoor dining yet, and they're still figuring out what they're doing for outdoor dining. So it seems that in L.A. County, everything is a different city by city now, because I think the outdoor dining thing is actually legal now, um, but everyone's sort of dealing with it in a different way. So that's what I did. Robert, what about you? Were all those ghosts gone? Um, yeah, besides the ghosts that just came through my house... Um when the front door opens up my house, the back doors just go crazy because all the winds from there. Anyways, it got figured out. I'm still alive. Just uh, tired of those slamming doors? If anyone is worried. What was that? Just tired of those slamming doors? Yep. yep. Yeah. Uh, it, was a, it was a great week. Um, we did the live stream on Thursday, which, uh, you know, we haven't done one of those in quite a while, but it, it, it worked out really well. It was great to play again. Um, even, even if it was in a living room, it was still fun to play. Uh, those songs because it's been a little bit and then i was also there working at hangar 24 which uh just makes me more excited to be playing next week um just to just because the crowds and you know just just being back to playing music um super excited for and then uh, my grandma turns 99 this weekend so uh the family had a little 99th birthday party i'm not sure if my grandma knew that we were all there and that's what we were celebrating, but we were all there and we were celebrating her 99th. Um, she's still kicking and she's still laughing and, um, she's not giving huge speeches or anything, but it was great. It was good. We had a great weekend. Nice. So, yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm also drinking some beer tonight and, uh, 
before we talk about what we're drinking, let's bring on our guest that we have this evening. He is a local musician of Orange County and also a great guy behind any soundboard and also a newly a new father, which is really exciting for all of us here. <laughs> um, his name is Mike Wilson. Let's have him on. What up? Yeah. Let's say Shaka is Warren. <laughs> there's so many. There's so many. Uh, I can, that's like the best I could do. Still not very good. <laughs> What's up, guys? What's up, man? Welcome. How's it going, Mike? Going really good. Everything's good, man. What are you drinking before we get into who you are and what you do? My favorite bourbon that I busted out for. Oh wow! Today, dang! Um, I started while I was waiting for you guys. So, cheers, fellas! Cheers! Cheers! Cheers, man! Well, what what are you drinking? Uh, since some might some people might be listening to this, uh, I'm drinking EH Colonel Taylor small batch bourbon. Um, that's something that's coming through my garage door for a second. Um, but Ghost, man, I have them too. They're wild. Yeah, I'm just drinking bourbon on the rocks. Rock, right on. Singular. Yeah. How does it taste? <clears throat> Perfect. Like compared to other whiskeys you've had before, is it really like scotchy? Is it really sweet? Is it? Uh, I would say it's a more like caramely bourbon. If that helps you figure it out, I don't yeah, too totally. I need like three more of these to really get into the notes, you know. <laughs> yeah, we're super pretentious when it comes to this section, and then we're also pretty pretentious when it comes to music. So, <laughs> Steve, what are you drinking? I ordered myself uh, and my brother a uh, both of us a bottle of um, the number one tequila, uh, number one extra añejo, and uh, which is very bourbony as far as tequilas go. It's nice mm-hmm. and. Nice and smoky and smooth, and um, I'm just drinking it neat here. And my brother uh, called me last Sunday night, and he was having enjoying a glass up there in, in Palo Alto, and and uh, yeah, it's it's delicious, man. It's it's very kind of it's a bit caramely as well. And uh, I know I've talked about it on the podcast here before, but it just goes down so easy and so smooth. So for tonight, I left the bottle in the other room. Um, so that I just didn't keep re- don't keep refilling it. Oh, I brought my bottle. Is that not supposed to do that? Oh man! <laughs> no, 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 you you're supposed to. Pretty. This this stuff's just strong. Steve is being gets, responsible. Gets me pretty saucy. Yeah. So, what about you, Warren? What you got? I don't have anything fancy. I'm drinking like a Spindrift cranberry raspberry. That's about as fancy as it gets. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I did have some you're amazing wild. rum cocktails yesterday. I've just been drinking a lot of beer too, a lot of hanger, a lot of docent because we've been there a lot. Docent, baby. Um, docent, the best. So good. Hanger, hanger's good beer too, but damn, that docent beer is good. So nothing special, you know, just a spin drift. Nice and mellow Monday here. Oh, I saw it. I saw it, Robert. What about you, Henry? You got anything better than. A spin drift. I also have a spin drift. Oh, uh, damn. Uh, What's going on today? <laughs> I didn't uh I didn't restock on my on my booze uh over the weekend. So 
I just have this. It's a raspberry lime. I also have a water. And I have a cold coffee in my special Jimi Hendrix mug. You like Hendrix? Ooh. Yeah, yeah, he's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's all right. Yes, I like his awesome. song, um, Stairway to Heaven, that he wrote with I've always Black heard you Sabbath. play it great, upside down, <laughs> left-handed, with your teeth. Sweet voodoo yeah, child of mine. Yeah, dude. There you go. He's, got, he's such a good trumpet player with the Rolling Stones. Uh, I'm totally kidding. I'm the biggest Hendrix fan in the universe. I, I felt like, like, like Mike had no sarcasm in saying that. Yeah. So I'm glad well, you I mean, told him that it's, you it's were an unfair, actually a fan. An unfair platform here, like, because I've known Henry since he was like 14. So it's it's not uh, fair. It's just like one of those things where I just like I can't help I can't help. Man. He, I can't, can't he can't. He can't. He can't. Been a huge Hendrix fan the entire time. Hell yeah. <clears throat> From day one, bro. Day one, right, man. Brother. Day one, bro. You do it right. Day one. How about you, Robert? What are you drinking? Um, I'm drinking a dose of beer, which is crazy as every week goes by because I never have them. But um, this week is a gimme. Um, they just canned a bunch of uh, gimme, and I got some gimmies. And it's a great beer. It's one of my favorite beers they have. And once again, every week, Docent, San Juan Capistrano. If you're around, just go to Docent and grab some beer. They have some of the best beer that I've ever had. Uh, that's it. Um, thank you to Docent. Andrew, what are you drinking? I'm drinking another one of my um, soda water root beer f- stuff and then Mount Gay rum uh, concoctions. It tastes really sweet and really good. It's just like drinking a root beer soda. So Nice. That's what I'm doing. Um, Amanda just reminded me that I have everything to make mojitos because our mint grew in and we have a bunch of lime. Do it. So I need to start getting into that world again. Yes. And finding some good rum to go around. The Mount is good. It's just extremely sweet. So there's nothing yeah. wrong with it. It's just uh, really caramelly, really sweet. Um, so almost like throws it off because the root beer step is sweet and then on top of that the rum is sweet and I feel like the Cuban rum has a bit more of a bite to it and the dark stuff and a bit more like flavor to it so the Mount Gay is like extremely transparent and probably would go well with those like sweeter sort of drinks but I'm excited to get back into the Havana Club Bacardi world and see if I can find any more rums that live in that you know sort of world to Get on my mojito train. And Andrew, correct me if I'm wrong, but um, at least where I am right now, it's like 50 degrees. That's like 49 degrees. It's crazy. It's kind of all cold. I feel like mojitos are not made for the the cold weather that we have right now in Southern California. You're going to have to wait a little bit until it gets back up to the 80s, and that's when we can actually enjoy the mojitos. Is that correct? Well, my mint... But you can't drink a mojito with a beanie As soon as the mint comes in. I can do whatever I want, Robert. Like that's my thing. Like you can't drink a mojito with a, with a beanie on. You like, it just doesn't make any sense. Like, <laughs> right? I wipe my own ass with ten dollar bills. I can drink <laughs> mojitos whenever I feel like it. Okay. Okay, that's fine. I'm just, I was just bringing it up. Amanda says, "Don't trust your screen." <laughs> Sorry, Amanda. 
Amanda just put up a text that said, uh, don't crutch his dreams, Robert, for the people listening. And then I Mike, mean, I, I, I want to put uh, out Michael Caro. Uh, thank you for all the comments. He said a bunch of nice things in here. Uh, and then the one that matters is he asked, have we been listening to Nathaniel? And so, Robert, you want to field that one? I have. Uh and did we talk about this? Because this was a really cool moment. We talked about it a had. little bit. So we talked about that we were listening to the new song and stuff. Yeah. I've since watched a few things. Uh, we uh, the, After we got done recording, uh, which everyone knows, we posted everything. So I didn't know if we were keeping it a secret, but it, everyone that listens to the podcast now knows. Um, we kind of went through um, the band, including our producer, Jeff, and we each played a song. Um, on these crazy speakers that sound crazy good, which you guys can talk about um, after that, because I have no idea what they are. I just know they sound good. And we each picked a song. We each sat there in the room and listened to each other's songs, which were which was really cool, um, I thought, because everyone has different tastes, and then you, you hear everyone's different tastes, and you're like, oh, that's why the band sounds how the band does, because we all have these different tastes. Um, and yeah, uh, Nathaniel Rateliff uh, just recently came out with a song called Redemption, um, which I am, uh, I fell in love with, and I, I showed the guys the other night. <clears throat> um, super simple, but I love Nathaniel Rateliff. Uh, his show that I saw, I've seen his shows multiple times, and every time I think it's one of the best shows I've ever seen in my life. Um, I second that. He's just, he's just so, his whole band's amazing. Everything's perfect, in my opinion. Um so yeah, Michael, I love Nathaniel Rayliff, and uh, everyone seemed to like the song I played for everyone. So, oh, it was beautiful, man. <laughs> yeah, it was great. It had that killing drum track tone. It's like not your not just a typical tone that you might think a, a guy like him might go. It was a little bit more uh, distorted, and I don't know, almost like sample lo-fi. That was a cool track. What was it called again? It's called Redemption. But I think it's great. Andrew, what what are those speakers called, too, by the way? Because Mike, Mike the, the interesting thing was that we we all pulled up tunes on YouTube. So it was like that was the baseline for it. It was like right. we're all going to pull up songs on YouTube, stream it, and just listen to it on these speakers. And the speakers just opened up the entire stereo width and height and depth and all that stuff. And just like it really immersed you in the, in the, the sounds, but I'm not sure what the speakers are. What color were they? They're barefoots and oh, barefoots barefoot. start at like three grand for the cheapest ones. And then the Jeff's guess, pair, we looked them up as like 10, 10 yeah. to 12 or something like that. Like each. And they had the sub like built into the side. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, I was talking to someone about this, too, because they asked me what I thought about high-fidelity files, and I was like, high-fidelity files are kind of horseshit when it comes to where you're going to spend your money, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. Because, uh, you know, you need... And then amps are a weird thing, too, because everything in professional uh, speaker world, the speaker companies make their own power supplies or make sure that, like... Because they know how big that is to the sound. So there's usually less to do with the amps... And more to do with the DA converters in uh, sure. audio world. 100%. I'm getting way in the weeds here. What that sort Let's of means it. is like we're never 
we're almost never talking about the files. Um, right. Mike knows what you're yes, talking about. Yes, CD quality is better. Yeah, no, no, uh, Mike, you're going to have your time. I will let you uh, sell your piece <laughs> just because we're on Zoom, and it's, uh, uh, I feel like, you know, Mike's like the the lady at church where he's like, preach, come on, yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, I'm, I'm just kidding. Uh, but y- y- if you listen to a crappy MP3 on a really, really good system, it has to be a really bad MP3 for you to hear all the artifacts and stuff like that in it. And usually, like, whatever, the 320 bit rate, I can't remember exactly what the things is. Like, whatever quality they have on streaming services is, like, relatively good. And if you're listening to vinyl or you're listening to a CD or you're listening to an MP3, those are all pretty good sources. So then all the other stuff matters a lot more. So if you have $1,000 and you can spend it on really high-fidelity files or you can spend it on uh, really high-fidelity speakers, you should probably spend it on the speakers and you should probably build, spend it on speakers that have a power supply built into them already so you don't have to buy an amp. Uh, Mike, what were you going to say? Oh, no, I was just joking. No, I was. I was that uh, chicken in church. Preach it! You know, because, yeah, everything you said was, was right on, you know. Um yeah that's a big thing man it's like it's so funny like uh i mentioned you know before we hopped on like my buddy wyatt from thunder guts in my kitchen cutting my wife's hair right now and um he showed me his latest single and um i just put on my phone he's like are you really gonna fucking listen to my mix like on your phone i was like that's how i listen to my mixes he's like what's wrong with you like you want a full studio and like this how you listen to your shit and i was like hey man it's it's real like this is how people digest music, you know, like if I can't get to sound good on this, like what am I even doing? And, you know, I always had this thing where I think when I mean, you guys have been in studios for ages too, but, um, you know, we, we hear music straight off of a mic, you know, like we hear the most pure capture of it, but yet we all decided to push it through and put it into this MP3. So like anybody who decides to argue with whether or not we're proud of it, we're happy with it. Like it's kind of like a, like why why are we even arguing just enjoy the music and and listen to it however you want to listen to it but yeah when it comes to to digital audio or analog uh, conversion like that's that's really where where the magic is and and a lot of the new um speaker companies they have DACs in their their amplifiers and then they're allowing their speakers to do the rest of the work and so on and so forth so but barefoots are are super popular man those are those are the hot ones on the market right now I spent a long time looking at them afterwards. I was like, well, if I move this stuff around and do this, could I possibly afford a pair of these? And then I had to stop myself. Like um, I sell my car. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I would say that amps are almost a huge gimmick in, like, uh, speaker world as far as, like, getting vinyl people to buy them or not because speaker companies know way more about how audio sounds than amp companies. Yeah, I agree. Do you agree with that? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I have like actually back here behind me somewhere. I have like a rants back here, and it's like just sitting in my garage because, like, I mean, it's a great, you know, like home theater setup. You know, a good, good amp and everything. And but it's really just like, I don't know. When you add anything else into it, it's just like my question always is like, are you enjoying the music? Or are you enjoying the gear? You know, like really, really, mm-hmm. what is it? And like, kind of what what is your process about? And like. One is it better than the other? It's just kind of like I make records with all this fancy gear because I love music, and like that's kind of what gets me going. Um, but otherwise, some some people just have different, you know, experiences. Well, speaking of listening to music, Henry, what are we listening to today? 
question. Um, today is March 15th, and uh, the uh, birthday boy today that I want to talk about is Mr. Ry Cooter. He is 74 years old today, and uh, if you don't know who that is, he is a legendary, and I mean legendary, uh, slag guitarist, multi-instrumentalist, uh, music producer, songwriter, film, co- film score composer, yeah, who has worked with, uh, let's see, John Lee Hooker, Captain Beefheart, Gordon Lightfoot, Eric Clapton, The Rolling Stones, Van Morrison, Neil Young, Randy Newman, Linda Ronstadt, uh, The Doobie Brothers, among others. Um, I love Ray Cooter. Um, as somebody that plays slide guitar, uh, I have to acknowledge his contributions and, uh, you know, definitely, um, definitely one of the big kind of, I guess, fathers of electric bottleneck slide guitar. Um, he was doing it in the mid sixties when almost nobody was doing it. You know, plenty of Delta blues guitar players had done acoustic bottleneck slide guitar, but hardly anybody was doing amplified electric, uh, bottleneck slide guitar, um, save for maybe Ry Cooter, of course. And I think, uh, Brian Jones from the Rolling Stones was one of the first people to do it. There were probably plenty of, of blues guys in Chicago that were doing it, but in terms of uh, popular musicians, um, you know, he was definitely one of the people that sort of popularized that style of playing guitar, and uh, that certainly has a lot to do with what I do and um, what I'm known for, and I definitely owe a nod to Mr. Ry Cooter. Um, on top of that, he plays multiple other instruments uh, he's also a great mandolin um player and like he plays like 20 different instruments it's like impossible to list them all without being boring um and you can look it up because it's on the internet um the album i want to talk about today is called into the purple valley it came out in 1972 and uh another interesting thing to note about uh, specifically for you drum nerds out there the guy that played drums on this is John Cravioto, who uh, created the Cravioto style drum kits that I've heard so much about. That's awesome. Uh, on this whole record. Uh, and it's a really cool record. Um, very rootsy, Americana, blues, folk kind of vibe. Lots of amazing slide guitar, amazing arrangements. Uh, Van Dyke Parks, who's another amazing, famous arranger from the era, uh, collaborated on this record. And he also had. Uh, let's see, Chris Etheridge from the Flying Burrito Brothers uh, playing bass and also from the Birds uh, playing bass on this. And I love the Flying Burrito Brothers and the Birds. And uh, yeah, he played bass on this. Is Chris related to Melissa? I don't know. I don't think so. We should we should ask Siri about that. Yeah, let's let's answer. Let's have an answer to that question after we listen to this song. Uh, the song yes, we're going to listen to is called Money Honey. It is an old uh, rock and roll standard from the early 50s, um, or or rhythm and blues, rather, um, and uh, basically just got rearranged into uh, Ry Cooter's style. So, hope you enjoy. Sweet.
Good old, good old swampy, swampy roots rock right there for you. Man, I, I love yeah. that. Yeah, I love that blend of the acoustic guitar kind of soloing at the end and the and the piano. Man, it almost makes it sound like a like a hockey talk. Like it's yeah. super like hammery, but it's it's a cool blend. I was like, is that two different pianos on there? And then I'm like, oh no, it's somebody playing guitar. I think. Yeah, but I don't know. That's cool. Could yeah, I mean, I, I I know of Rod Cooter from his mandolin stuff. I think okay. he's, he's he's pretty big in like the the really really nerdy mandolin world. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, I just recently was hanging out with a, a friend of mine, uh, Stephen Musselman. He actually lives in Pasadena, um, and he was geeking out really hard on some some mando stuff and brought up Rye, and I was just like, good stuff, yep. man. Yeah, that's Rye Cooter's dope. That's what it must have been is the, yep. is the mandolin because mandolin's got yep. two or three strings per. Two. Two. Each string is doubled. Nice. That's so rad, man. Yeah. Yeah, he's a he's a beast, man. He's a very, very important uh, musician. And uh, if you like stuff like that, um, it's part of a playlist called Henry's History Lesson that we add to every week. And uh, we send links for that out. Uh, you know, every time we make these podcasts, we also put them in the comments below. If you're watching this live... And uh, I update it every week. And, you know, if there's something that uh, you think would enlighten, enlighten me um, and I should talk about, I love getting recommendations as well. And uh, if it's something I remember to get to <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, have enough sort of room to talk about it, um, I will probably talk about it on the podcast and give you a shout out as well so uh so yeah good old red cooter didn't didn't he also didn't he also do the stuff with uh that one great buena vista social club record yes yes he did that's a great record i love that record. yeah 
I think that was cool. the first time that I had. I'm sure he's done millions of things before them, but I think that was the first time I had identified mm-hmm. an album that he had done. And yeah, that one just kills. Yeah, he's also on. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I I talked about um, Little Feet actually. And uh, on the very first Little Feet record, it's actually Ry Cooter playing all the slide guitar stuff. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, because because I, if, if I'm not mistaken, Lowell George uh, injured or, or he, he screwed his, his arm up. So he, nor, he normally would have played uh, slide guitar, but he couldn't during the session. So they brought in Ry Cooter to play uh, slide guitar for that record. Damn. Yeah. That's funny. I feel like you can hear how influenced uh, Lowell George was by his playing then, or right. maybe maybe it was the other way around. But they did both have that similar sort of mm-hmm. tendency, and even that bouncy songwriting, swampy kind of the band. Definitely like that yes. song. Sounds like it could be like a Little Feet track too. Right. Like awesome. I'm gonna go back yeah. and listen to that album and and, yeah. and out, keep that in mind. Very That's cool. A cool tidbit. Very cool, yeah. Um, and then the, uh, again, the album I was talking about today, which is also really super duper cool, uh, is called "Into the Purple Valley" by Ry Cooter. Um, very cool stuff. And to answer Robert's question earlier, there is no relation between Chris Etheridge, uh, the bass player for the Birds and Flying Burrito Brothers, and Melissa Etheridge, famous singer songwriter. Uh, the two last names are also spelled differently, so that was a dead giveaway as well. Um, Unfortunately, no relation there. I just I, I feel like every now and then you like um, find these artists and uh, you re- realize like after the fact, like you've known the name for a while. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, wait, that was their dad or that was their mom or like that's mm-hmm. that's what their parents did. And you're like, yeah. oh, huh. Interesting. That's like L. King. Yeah, it happens. At, like, Yeah. Well, that's true. <laughs> If you guys have ever heard of L. King, her dad is Rob Schneider. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah really? it, happens, it happens in like in the acting what? world and the music world just as just, like just as much as like you're just like oh well that's crazy wow you know like everyone's slowly connected like the the world keeps getting smaller and smaller basically. Wow, I did not know that. It's like royalty back in the day. Yeah. 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 Just. Uh, <laughs> A little less incest, hopefully. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hopefully. Hopefully not. Take <laughs> <laughs> those mojitos in winter. <laughs> uh, so, Mike, Aiden not only stories. probably are you Sorry, a, drum, a drum nerd as well, um, as uh, four other people on this, or three other people on this podcast, and maybe you guys can get down to the nitty-gritty on drums if you want to later. But you also run a recording studio out of Fullerton, California. Uh, and also, you are a drummer in, like, three amazing bands um, that have come out of Orange County. Um, and there's just a, you, you, you just have your hands in a lot of different pots. Uh, and I'm not really sure which, which one to start off with because we've known you for so many years. And... Uh, every single one has an interesting story, but, um, in the past few months during COVID, uh, what has been, um, the pot that you've been working on for the most, um, what's been like the busiest, uh, thing you've been doing, uh, in the past few months when it comes to either playing or, or running the studio or, uh, something else that we don't know about. (laughs) Well, 
clearly we made a quarantine baby and uh that happened so um yeah i sat a uh my wife and i had a daughter two months ago so that's been the big big life moment yeah congratulations Uh, congrats yeah she uh she puked in my mouth last week that was uh that was pretty impressive. I was like, "Wow, your your, your daughter your or your, or your wife?" Daughter. Uh, yeah, we don't talk about my wife in that. Well. Just my daughter. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but yeah, and I was just like, "Wow, this is like gnarly." <laughs> but uh, but yeah, no, I mean, otherwise, like, um, yeah, it's 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 been a crazy year. I mean, with the studio, um, I mean, there's so much history, especially with you know. Robert and I mean Andrew, you've been around forever. Yeah. Not to exclude Warren and Henry, but um, you know Steve and, and everybody. Like every everybody's been to the studio, but it, it used to be called Artisans Label, um, ran by our good friend Mike Filson. He he built it, and him and I partnered up. Uh, shit, isn't this kind of weird? Like about six years ago, it's like kind of crazy yeah, to think about that. Up. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, but uh, yeah, and then we uh, we've been running the studio as Maps, which is. Um, the company I started in like 2019 or no shit 2011 I'm like totally thrown off um and uh yeah and so we've been been trying to like figure this out together uh through COVID so we closed down for about two months or so uh you know at the top of COVID and actually that coincided with um Jimmy Hua and I you know, hunkering down and, and trying our best to, to finish mixing the big monster record. Um, we had tracked it the year prior. Um, and, you know, we kind of have always done things on our own and, you know, we've always been very fortunate to have resources and, and great studio spaces. And, and he used to work for AEA microphone. So we, you know, had like every cool microphone at our disposal. And it's just like trying to take advantage of these, these great opportunities. And, um, one of the big things I was really excited about with tracking that record was we, um, uh, we brought on our buddy, John O'Brien to, to engineer it. And so he was engineering out of, out of my studio and it was just so cool to like capture something with something you totally trust, you know, and, and you just, you just love and, and knows that he has your best interest in mind. And so, um, yeah, like right at the beginning of, of like COVID, I mean, shit a year ago, um, Jimmy and I figured out a way, you know, he's like a brother to me and, and we figured out a way to, to mix the record. And so that's been sitting, um, you know, done for a while. I've been working really hard to, to figure out the best way to release it. And, and Jimmy's working his ass off talking to the right people to get some, uh, some steam behind that. Um, and then just following that, um, we decided to, well, I also got like married in there somewhere. And then uh, <laughs> we uh, we decided to mix the Shape of Taki record. Um, so that's another band that I'm in. And um, yeah, and uh, I see Michael here has, got, has a lot of questions. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I think honestly, like it, it's helped me, you know, accomplish a lot of things, but it's definitely hurt me uh, financially a little bit. Um, but yeah, um, and... Yeah, so we mixed the shape record, and we did uh, we did that one like in my favorite way ever, which is like throw it up on my analog console and just like print it. You know, like nice. it's done. Like we're not automating anything. Like there's no gates. There's no, you know what I mean. Like everything's just thrown up on faders. No gates. <laughs> you can't do a record with no gates, Mike. <laughs> I've never even Crazy. seen a house without a gate. <laughs> 
Michael, we're just joking. We're we're really excited that you're interested. <laughs> um, no, no, no. I I love I love all those questions. I wish I could keep up with them in real time. It's just this delay is kind of hard to to get synced in. But um, but yeah. And uh, so we mixed the shape record and we put out a single called the disease, which is like lyrically like so ironic because Shane wrote it way before COVID, <laughs> and it's very political about our former president and uh, about a disease and so on and so forth. So it was just this like whole thing. We put that single kind of at the front end of mixing the record and um, that record's been done and we're in a similar process where it's just like, how do you release music right now? It's like such a weird thing because like we usually rely so much on like going out to shows and, and supporting each other. And that's what I love about you guys and our local scene with Hampton and, and all this stuff. It's just like, it's like, shit i just had the facebook memory of us out south by you know yeah and it's just <laughs> yeah. like oh like it's so crazy and so hard to uh you know not be able to have that kind of support but like i love stuff like this too where it's just like shit we're still able to talk and and support each other in this way um but yeah more recently um i actually got uh ian bailey from gardener's logic we're, we're starting to demo some stuff and we went over to uh our buddy Stefan Max new studio from the ground bolt. Well, shit. I don't know. Anyways, Sega. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> ended up, uh, doing some demo stuff over there. He's got like a rad, uh, you know, tree audio console. It's like all tube. And there's like no way you can't take tubes out of the situation. It's so cool and vibey <laughs> and rad. That's um, awesome. but yeah, so I've been trying to stay busy with, with everything, you know, like in, in the midst of all that, I did a, a record for David Rosales too. Um, nice, and that that's all done. And he's really been fucking writing some great songs, and stoked about that. And um, just sent another record off to mastering a couple days ago for a local artist named Neat Paladino. That's super rad. Oh, yeah. is and that the one that I played on? Steve played on that yeah, record. Dude. Uh, Most likely, Steve. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh well, and, Nate, yeah. Nate pumps out songs, man. So, oh, I've, dude, it's a seventeen-song record, man. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> what? Damn, I, I never heard yeah. if if the one I played on came out Damn. already or not. But because that, that, that was a while ago, man. Now it's the same yeah. one. I mean, it's enough for like that's, that's enough for two records. That's a crazy story about that record. If you guys really want to go into it, but um, but yeah, it's well. well what, do you, what do you got going on later? Can't you just say that. <laughs> You're like, I have the cure for cancer, but you guys probably don't want to hear about it. It's fine. It's fine. Oh, no yeah. It was just like, BD. all right, I'll, t- I'll tell you, I'll tell you the, uh, a bridge version. Like, you know, it's, it's really weird. Like I started making records when I was like, like, well, I opened my first video when I was 19. Right. And, um, you know, it's something weird when like you're in, you, most people start making records cause they're in a band at least hopefully. And, um, like, it's a weird thing when you get people to uh, Pink Floyd. Hell yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. And uh, so like, I have these people like, like trust me to make their record. Right. And you get, you, you get attached to these people and more often than not, you become friends with these people you make records with. Right. Um, and for the first time uh, I did a record and a band member died mid record. And I was like, like mind blown. You know, this is a Nate's record. Yeah, yeah, and um, wow, and then just recently. Well, I mean, because of that, it's actually been about like a two and a half year long process. So this was this was a few years ago, and um, 
it was so weird because we came in really and as you guys know like tracking it's like either you do it all live and it's super quick or you take your sweet time and you make sure that like you know everything's right or whatever but we we opted for the live version no metronome no nothing and um luckily i'm so thankful that um we captured like hours upon hours of music with this this amazing bass player um darren who um ended up passing you know before we could actually properly finish the record but because we had so much recorded time of the same song you know what i mean kind of played over live i uh i dug into my my logic editing skills and was able to kind of comp anything because he actually he was so communicative that um he gave me a lot of notes on stuff that like he played great but it was just like us as musicians were picky you know um, I want this to be this. I want this to be that. And I was able to comp some takes together that, that we all kind of agreed upon um, that he'd be proud of. And so we were able to keep him a part of the entire record. But in doing that, um, you know, we kind of had to stick with these kind of old takes that like, not that we weren't proud of, but we're like, okay, like we have to make sure we give these like all the love that they, they deserve, you know? So we really took our time. And so before I brought Steven as a session player, um, and he had actually coincidentally worked with Nate prior to Nate and I working together. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah. And we, uh, you know, we were able to make it happen and, and the takes I think represent exactly like what the band and what the song songwriting needs to represent. And, um, you know, it's been like such a, a great process. It's been actually really, really like inspiring to, to work with everybody and, it's a weird thing man like you know it's it's in music i feel like when we lose somebody it's like it hits us a little bit differently than most other instances in life and and um that was a first for me i was like whoa but to see this record go off this past week to mastering i was like super super happy about that so um yeah that's that's kind of what i've been up to Yeah, that's crazy to think about. I know, like, you know, if I died or something, I'd want people to continue with the record and not stop and stuff like that, you know? So it's mm-hmm. it's cool to see that they, you know, went through with it because I bet it's pretty easy to just, like, you know, stop the process. Yeah, it was crazy, man. Um, it was so out of nowhere. I mean, he, he wasn't, he wasn't you know, super old or anything. And, um, yeah. And uh, I'm just so glad it worked out. Like, it, I, I would have been beating myself up the ahead if i didn't keep all those takes you know but luckily, yeah like, right i'm like crazy about keeping you know take folders and stuff and um yeah it, it worked out really great so definitely unique experience and steve fucking made it come to life with a lot of the keyboard stuff and um i'll uh i'll send you a link later steve oh hell yeah Check love to hear yeah. it man Mike, you've done a bunch of awesome live sound stuff for people too do you want to talk about some of that kind of stuff and then like uh, some stories you could maybe share, or not share from those. <laughs> I got arrows too. Specifically uh, with Mike. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I've I've been very fortunate to like travel the world uh, doing live sound. Um, one of those notable artists, I guess, is is Kamasi Washington. Um, we did a tour in 2019 with Herbie Hancock um so rad man yeah it was it was insane man and and luckily i was able to bring a couple friends out for some shows and 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 check it out and um yeah um otherwise like you know i try my best to 
to tour with as many local bands as we can and our boys in them evils you just you just wrote with jordan yeah um by far one of the craziest most wild tours like i've ever you know been on like um <laughs> we were playing this drinking game and uh i, I want to say i was like within a weekend like you know somebody was butt chugging a beer i was like oh my god i've never actually held <laughs> on and you know poured a beer down that that orifice this is fucking insane and like you know amongst that like we went to went to mexico on a cruise and um i was tour managing them and i've i love those boys i like helped them make their first record and first two records in california because they're from vegas and and <laughs> you know like they're playing like this like massive show on this 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 uh cruise called ship rocked and you know like you know bands like papa roach are there and all these like crazy bands we grew up with and um jake like jumps off stage and jumps in the jacuzzi and i'm like on the management side like bro you got another 10 minutes you have to play like what are you fucking doing he's like in his underwear like in a jacuzzi with some chicks and i'm like i'm at front of house the jacuzzi's right behind me and i'm like dude get back on stage you gotta play another two songs he's like oh shit like blew my load too soon and um it was just like so funny but uh yeah touring with them was crazy like you know, we were in this RV in the middle of winter through the Midwest as well. And I remember showing up, like, <laughs> I'm like, shut up. Luckily with my like zero degree sleeping bag that I'll backpack with. And I'm like, cool. So it's snowing outside. Like, can we turn on the heater? They're like, we don't have a heater. <laughs> and I was like, holy shit. And so we were like all in it, man. Uh, just freezing our asses off. Like, partying having fun having amazing times good food you know playing some incredible shows and like traveling all over the country and um but yeah i love those boys and and with kamasi i've got we did a whole asia tour i got to go to india and china right before covid i went to australia um i went to curacao with him done the states a couple times canada um you know definitely some wild times on those tours as well you know a lot of uh, partying that led to some band members getting left in other cities, and <laughs> you know, are they going to make it? Or Ooh, are they not? We've never handled that. We've never dealt with that. <laughs> oh, it's 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 somewhat satisfying when you're like waiting on the bus to leave, you know, and you're like, okay, well, you're not here, so I'm just gonna fucking go and you know, figure it out. Especially when uh, you're not in charge of that bus or that van. <laughs> And yeah. the the person in charge is like, we have to leave right now. And you're like, okay, well, the person that I know is supposed to be here is not here, and we're still leaving. Yep. Okay, we're still leaving. Okay. And then you just go in the back of the bus, and you're just like, I really hope that this turns out well. <laughs> hey, guys, save it for the episode. That's what happened okay. to me. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't said anything yet. We're saving that story for the hundredth episode. Okay, we'll talk about it. Podcast. Yeah, I'm very curious. But, uh, but one of my dreams. I'm I, I pretty think. sure it was Henry, though. <laughs> <laughs> the one, no, thing, the one thing that we know is that it was it was it could have been Henry. <laughs> it, it wasn't. I mean, it, it, it might not be. You know Fuck. what? I, I I'm not going to confirm or deny anything anybody said. <laughs> but it could have been. Well, Michael, the mystery yeah. doesn't doesn't mean that it was. Doesn't mean that it oh, wasn't. Sorry, I have to. I have some special guests real quick, if you guys Ooh, don't mind. Yeah, yeah. yeah, bring them in. Ooh, special guests. This is fun. What up? Mike just opened his garage. Oh, 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 oh,
Hello, Amy. <laughs> they can't hear you. <laughs> oh. Come here, Wyatt. Let me hold you. Wyatt. Oh, what up, Wyatt? Oh, he's oh, yeah. so cute. So cute. Wow, he looks kind of big. Look at that cute-ass person. No, it's so crazy. We just gave birth to Wyatt two months ago. Yeah, twins, right? <laughs> twins. They grew up so fast. One of them's the Danny DeVito. Yep. Um, it's Wyatt. Wyatt's the Danny DeVito. Yeah. Uh, just, just make sure you tell Wyatt that we all say hello. We all love him, yeah. too. Everybody says Please. hello. They love you. Bye-bye. Send me some beer in my house. <laughs> yeah, I can use a beer. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, yeah, Wyatt. Uh, if for all the listeners out there, you should definitely listen to Thundergut. He also was in a band yes. called Ransburg. Um, yeah, man. And they they were the best. And fuck you, Bryce, for not writing more songs and recording them. I love yeah. Bryce, but that was a fun record to play on it. too, man. Yeah, that was a, yeah. that was a good one. And uh, yeah, I hire Steve for a lot of things because Steve's the and best. that that was at your first studio space too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huntington. Um, but uh, yeah, and Wyatt's also a super talented hairstylist on accident. I'm not sure how. He's like the most tatted up, gnarly dude I've ever hung out with, but he loves cutting <laughs> hair beautifully. So um, through COVID, we've been trying our best to support all of our friends financially and, and all that kind of stuff. So I think I just paid him to come to my house and drink my beer and cut my hair. So yeah, it's important. It happens. Nice. Good deal. I think we're ready for that. I think we need a Wyatt house call sometime in our future. My hair is getting like extremely long. <laughs> Do it. So I'm just gonna cut my hair like Mike. Oh, I literally got my hair cut before this episode. I forgot to pimp that, but yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring back like like that '90s thing, like like Mike, you know, like <laughs> Michael Jordan thing, like the uh, be like Mike. I'm gonna do that. I'm just gonna cut my hair like yours, and everyone's gonna be like, Robert, what happened? Dude, I just is, came is across okay? a photo of you at the studio, probably about Great. like twenty something years old. Thank you, Wyatt. And this was pre-beard Robert. This was like Robert maybe had as much facial hair as I did, which this is my whole life's work right here. It's my garage short. Sorry. Well, because Robert, and, you, uh, you you recorded yeah, no, the the EP at Artisans, right? Was that the, um, the Robert John EP that you did there? I I, I worked with Artisans label, which is which is now maps or which I don't even know how you guys discuss it, but, um, yeah, that's correct. I worked with Michael Filson who, who owns, I don't see. I, I don't know how to discuss this, but, um, he owns artists. I worked with him. Yeah. Yeah. And I worked with them on my very first record ever in 2008 called stand. And they helped me like, you know, package it and promote it, which I, I don't even know if we ever promote it it but um whatever you do when you make your first record you're just like yeah this is great and um but i've been in and out of artisans label since 2008 uh playing i mean recording things and everything like that um and i i really don't know what the first time i actually recorded there was but it had to have been during that time I, I feel like steve might even know more more information than me but well, I, I, um, I just remember that we we ended up we did stuff for for our first record, Fire Started, for Robert John and the Wreck. Yeah, yeah. And you did the roads there. Yeah, yeah. I did the roads there, and then with the same uh, roads. With the same roads, yeah. Yeah, it sounds way better now. Luckily, I got it worked on. <laughs> <laughs> and then, well, 
back then it sounded great. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was my first time ever playing a real Rhodes, too. Oh, really? Yeah. Really it's a great Rhodes. And then most recently for Last Light on the Highway, that's where we tracked the acoustic piano as well with, yeah. with Mike, which was, which was cool. Yeah. That turned out great, by the way. I love the artwork, too. Like, I remember you showing that to me, I think, at Wayfair, like one night when you guys first came up with the concept of the artwork. And I mean, fuck, man. That's what I, what I miss about this shit is like, you know, those, those like weird, weird nights where like we're hanging out. It's Monday night and you're like, hey, man, this is what I'm working on. And it's like we're hanging out the corner of the bar and like, you know, we need to like bro down about that stuff, you know, and it's all coming back. And I'm, I'm so thankful for you guys hitting me up for this. And I'm excited. I actually think I'm mixing you guys on Saturday. Yeah, um, you are. So, yeah, man. I mean, I'm, I'm super yeah. excited. More crazy times and, ahead. But, uh, you, you yourself have started a podcast as well, right? Yes, and I would love to have all of you on. Um, we, well, tell uh, us about how that started. Tell us about what you're doing with that. <laughs> well, it started for like a very specific reason. So you guys all know Shane from Shape Pataki. He also is our yep. fan- fantastic uh, studio manager over at Maps. And uh, he's a son of a bitch. And we were on, on <laughs> tour a few years ago. And kind of how it went was kind of them evils. If everybody can put this together, like we're all super close. Um, but them evils was throwing this, this show at, at Wayfair called Fest Evil. And I was like playing and I think Big Monster was in it. And like, I, mean, I don't know if I was double dipping that night or not, but um Needless to say, I'm also a very avid surfer, and so is Shane. And there's this very famous, mysterious wave pool out in the middle of Central California that Kelly Slater owns. And I got a call the night before the Festival show saying, do you want to go work at Kelly Slater's wave pool? And I'm like, yes. But I need to play this <laughs> show first. And so I like played the show, drove out there, the same night worked came back did another show i don't know somewhere in there went back out to central california um worked at kelly slayer's way this time i took shane because coincidentally that was also the first day of our tour up the west coast nice and um so we were able to like work this like weird show and i think uh flashback might have played there <laughs> for that show i think i mean nice. sorry sorry flashback but i always get flashback and flash pants mixed up um it's probably but, easy to do <laughs> um yeah 80s cover band great awesome but we were able to like set everything up and watch this like crazy man-made wave go on in the middle of the you know god forsaken you know five freeway central Dust california yeah yeah and, um, <laughs> congress created Dust bowl is all the signs say yeah, yeah. Exactly. You, you know what I'm talking about, Steve. Oh, yeah. um, but um, point of the story is I did not sleep for a good like 48 hours. And <laughs> our first show was in Seattle. So oh, we drove shit. from basically Chino to Seattle straight through. And um, we just turned on some weird ass podcasts about aliens and conspiracy theories and just went hard. And like, I don't think we actually, it's talked. like 16 hours, right? Yeah. I don't think we actually talked that much. We just like took it all in. And we're like, 
we're on the same page. Like, you know, <laughs> like what's going on with all this, you know, so sleep deprived and like in a whirlwind of like, Oh my God, I just played this rock show. And then I was working at the surf thing. And then like, did I drink? Did I not? Did I do this? Did I do that? Like, I don't know what's going on. And, um, we make it up to Seattle and we're just like, Holy shit. And that was the, actually coincidentally, the first time Shane ever smoked weed was when he got to Seattle and made it. And he was like, Oh my God, man, I need to relax. I'm like, here you go, brother. <laughs> and um, <laughs> right after that, we're like, we should probably start a podcast. You know, like we, we need to figure this out. But mind you, this was like three years ago, four years ago. And uh, since then, you know, he's working at the studio and we've been talking about it. And, you know, luckily we have a really like business minded team. And as you know, this is a lot of fun, but it takes a lot of time, a lot of resources. And, mm-hmm. and you know, you, you got to you gotta really invest in it. And so finally through COVID, we found a window to like, fuck it, we're going to go for it. And so we started the MAPS podcast. And um, I think we're only about eight episodes deep. We just recorded one last night with a friend of ours that you all know, but we haven't announced him yet. And, uh, but last week we had Vance Pal on who recorded Jack White, the Rack on Tours, Chris Stapleton, um, a bunch of other rad people. And Tyler Ryan, who's like in our scene. Yeah. Yeah. Um, super rad guy. And he was so fun to talk to. And so definitely recommend checking out that one. I'm going to post the, uh, the video of the, the podcast up online tomorrow. So, and I've got the uh, uh, for for all y'all on Facebook here. I've got a link to that on uh, to the Maps Podcast on Spotify, and for all you listening on the your various podcast apps, uh, there's a link in the description below. So go check that out and give them a follow. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, man, that's I awesome. Guess. I'm excited to check that out, Mike. It's gonna be cool. Yeah, dude. Please, please give me any any feedback. I mean. We're, we're loving it. And, you know, we just really want to try to, of course, we'd love to have you guys on. Um, we try our best to do everything in person just for the sake of like, you know, having that normalcy, but it's like, fuck, we're still dealing with COVID. And, um, but yeah, I would love to have you guys on and it'd be really fun to see if we could figure out something to do like a joint episode where it streams at the same time or something. <laughs> yeah. That's we could, crazy. We could probably definitely. <laughs> I think Steve and I figured it out. We can't even imagine that. Figure it out. No way. Yeah. Isn't there like a maximum amount of people you can have on StreamYard? That's like really our only limitation. Yeah, but but, <laughs> but if, we're, if we're in the same if we can figure out a way to be in the same room, that, that would be very easy, and I already know how to do that. So Yeah, and just stream yeah. it and, and get it out everywhere, because yeah. yeah, that'd be super fun. Did you talk to Vance Powell about aliens? <laughs> no, but... Shane is the biggest Tom DeLonge fan for aliens, not necessarily for Blink-182. And <laughs> that might be the best way to get him on the podcast. So maybe we'll try that. <laughs> for people who don't know, Tom DeLonge left like one of the biggest bands in the world to go chase aliens and then disappeared <laughs> for two years while he was like literally like talking to all the people in the government who do... Uh, uh, like had to do with all the UFO stuff and he like literally couldn't talk to anyone while he was talking to them so they can vet him. Like he talks about it on a bunch of other podcasts, but it is some crazy shit. And now he like works at those companies. Yeah. Yeah. That's the reason he left 
The band? Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> For real. Really? Everyone said it was because he had a drug problem, but that wasn't true. <laughs> my God. Like, I don't want to I never know my feelings anymore. Because I also want to go hunt aliens. But no, no, there's actually Shane and I went to, uh, he has a storefront for his, co- what's his company like beyond the stars or something Yeah, yeah something. fucking weird or whatever. Um, I think it's in either Oceanside or Encinitas. I can't remember. And, uh, yeah, it's a storefront. We're both the same place, right? Yeah. Yeah. South County or right? <laughs> Northern Orange or San Diego. It's fine. Um, that was a joke. If you're from there, I'm sorry. And, uh, I'm not. Del Mar or nothing. he was uh he was like selling his books but they're like on top of blink 182 road cases i'm like dude like pick your (laughs) pick your market like are you going after the alien people or are you trying to like really cross market this stuff what's what's going on but uh i do i would love to talk to that guy about some aliens that'd be insane all the small things and all the bigger ideas right absolutely yeah there's a song in that record called Aliens Exist. <laughs> he was like never shy about it. And everybody's so surprised. I'm just surprised that he just decided to give everything up to go for it. That's like crazy. But yeah, how fun would it be to talk to that guy about aliens? Maybe I should have you on. Uh, Elon? Yeah, let's talk about it. Oh, Elon. Yeah, we have Elon. Uh, I thought I said Elon. I was like, no. damn. Andrew. I, I would be happy to spend an hour talking about Tom DeLong and Aliens. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, Robert. No, I was going to say, Mike, if you get Elon on, just let us know how we get Elon on to <laughs> an up-and-coming podcast. Um, hey, for the record... If we have to pay you, like, that's fine. <laughs> I mean, I was very surprised, and I, I don't think Vance would, would uh, you know, be upset by us telling us telling him about this, but, like, He's a very open dude, like, and you'd be surprised how many people in in you know any industry that like you you idolize and you worship and, and all that kind of stuff that answer their emails. You know, like it's it's actually a beautiful thing when you you realize that the people that you actually really respect um, are real people that that respond to people that that are interested in what they do. You mm-hmm. know, and um, that's how we got Vance on, and I can't promise that for Elon, but. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was. Just Have you so sent the email yet? You can try. Uh, no, that's why I got a Shane. So actually, I'll message him right now. That's why I have a Shane. <laughs> yeah, this is this is why. It's just Elon at Tesla dot com, right? That's, I think it's, it's Elon at. It's just Elon dot com. You don't have to send anything. It's just Elon. <laughs> yeah, dot com. Just, yeah. just at Elon <laughs> at Elon at Elon dot com. I'm sending the message right now. At Shane Thompson. We use Slack. You know, you have to notify everybody. Robert John the Rack wants Elon on the podcast. <laughs> Immediately. Shane is oh, now our strings. There it is. All right. It'll happen. I'll, I'll, I'll send you guys a confirmation in 48 hours. <laughs> Perfect. Along with your ticket to Mars. Great. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Get us, a, get us a ticket. And that's, that's good enough. Yeah. There's no COVID in Mars. So. Yeah. <laughs> Not, not yet. Well, what if there's? What if it's Mars COVID, bro? I think that's where it it came from, right? Wuhan's just yeah, all a scam. Yeah, Mars. Life is so a Mike, scam. So, Mike, <laughs> I I wanted to just talk briefly because it's it's for some reason it's still weird for me to wrap my head around that you used to be my teacher. Like, yeah, me too. Ten years ago, <laughs> <laughs> it's not just me then. Okay. <laughs> um. And you actually 
helped me learn how to record uh, my own music. Because uh, there was a time when the program that you were teaching for and I was enrolled in was letting us go into Maps and record a song. Yep. What band was and that with? Was it with? That was just me. That was that was when I um, I did all all my own stuff. I did. No, like I remember you doing it. I, th- I could have sworn you had like a, a name for it. No. No, it was just me. Just okay. My own solo thing. I don't remember if I. I don't think I did have a name for it, but I probably forced it in like the logic file name or something. Probably. Like that. Yeah. It could be. It could be. And then not only that, but you taught me how to. Uh, how to use like a mixing board. Cause there was like a mixing board in the rehearsal room or whatever it was, the live, that live room that we used mm-hmm. to rehearse for all the shows. Um, and then the other thing that was funny is, is then like probably like six months after I graduated, we played a show together. And, uh, and this was pretty funny cause it was, it was another mutual friend of ours. I think was a student was doing sound at the venue we were playing at. Where was that? <laughs> that was at, um, that was at, uh, uh, it's called, I think it's called Ohana now. Oh, okay. In, in, in Sunset Beach. And uh, this guy fell asleep <laughs> on the mixing board <laughs> with the fader, like, next to the fader that, like, pushed, like, the bass frequency up or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> This wasn't yeah. like a movie from the nineties no. or something like that where that happened. No, no, the, like yeah, and that's the thing. It's so funny. Is like, you know, I think how many how many of y'all call Henry Hank? I do. Is it often? Every okay. Once again. Yeah, I, I remember, refuse. <laughs> I remember Fine. calling him Hank when he was like fifteen, and he was like, "What?" And I was like, "I don't know." I love him. <laughs> and um. It was one of those things where, like, I've just known since he was a little kid, you know, like, yeah. and I worked for this music program in, in Huntington at Huntington Beach High School. And, um, I mean, I still work with them and, you know, it's been kind of weird through COVID, but I mean, fuck, like you, you, you end up with these like incredibly talented people like Henry and, and it's been so crazy because I knew, I knew, I probably knew Robert and the boys, you know, when I met you and when you first got into APA, you right, know, right. Program. and it's just like to see this all part of the picture. I'm like, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, and you know, I, I'm not sure if it's a sore subject, but like Chris butcher, you know, um, somebody who you, you kind of filled into the place, like incredible guitar player, incredible. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, from, sure. from my perspective, like that pass off was like, so it was brought with so much respect, you know, um, I feel like Chris loves you and, and and you know really feels good about the part that you're playing in this band and and it's like for me it's like that's so cool to to see you know and I'm super proud of you dude like I give you, I give you a lot of shit but it's because I love you and it's <laughs> like um you know it's one of those things when you when you know somebody like you see them in their infancy of what they developed to be a, a real like professional musician it's like you can't help but like you know try to cherish those, those really innocently stupid moments, you know, Absolutely. when they kind of stumble <laughs> and like, you know, figure shit out. Cause it's like, yeah. man, I, I watched, I watched Henry do some, some funny shit when he was in high school. Oh yeah. And, uh, I bet. <laughs> but it's a trip, man. Like, it's watching weird. funny shit now. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm excited to see where you left him. Um, but, um, no, it's like, it's, it's just like one of those things, man, where it, you know, and then even weirder, like, 
again, it's weird now because of Wayfair, but Wayfair is such a staple, you know, for all of us in mm-hmm. terms of music. And I've been, you know, playing there since I was 18 at Detroit mm-hmm. Bar. And um, to now see kind of like generations of students that I've had like play there and like I'll be playing you know, like a headlining set or whatever, and then find out that like one of my students is like opening, and I'm like, you know, how many beers deep? I'm like, oh shit, like I'm supposed to be like, not this person, but this person, you know, I'm like, like rolling because they just graduated and they're like killing it playing in the local music scene, but I'm like, totally different hat that I'm wearing, you know, like, oh, Mr. Yeah, Wilson, and, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, oh, hey, Mike, like, am I playing all right? I'm like, oh shit, like, just don't uh, touch my drum kit. I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's a trip, man. Like I, I really, really, I love being a part of education and I think it's, I mean, how are you supposed to pass down knowledge? Right. I mean, right. You, you played that, that great song earlier and that's education in itself. It's just listening. Right. And yep. trying to grow and become badass. Absolutely. Well, so I, I, I don't have a question for say, but I really want, and I, I know there's like, you know, four great drummers, maybe six great drummers in this uh, chat. In the chat, yeah. And uh, I just want the, the couple of drummers that I know that can talk about drums to talk about a certain aspect of drums that, um, uh, the drum nerd would want to talk about. And that being said, I've been restoring Mike, a lot what of are you, drums. What, what is that right there? Name it, boys. Give it to me. It's an Acrolyte. No. Is it uh-huh. Is it Superphonic? It's a Superphonic, baby. Superphonic. Uh, you tricked me. It looks matte. It doesn't look uh, shiny. Yeah, it's because it's old. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a date stamped on the inside? I do. I can't show you in here because it's 1968. Oh, wow. nice. Damn. Keystone. Yeah, pre-70s. That's awesome. Yeah, no. I have another cool drum here that I can show you guys. Um, this, this worked out perfectly. This is my groove percussion. Oh, uh, that's pretty hot. Trigger piece. Vintage 1990. <laughs> Yeah, vintage nineteen ninety broken snare. Bruce says <laughs> Bruce it's, a said drum. it's a drum. <laughs> Wait, so so uh, both of you don't have don't have bottom heads on your on those things right next to you. Oh no, that is was that a coincidence my, or is that a, is there a reason? Here's my other projects at the moment. Oh my goodness. Ooh. So you were, the, uh, you said you restored that Ludwig that's at Maps, right? It's like a twenty four, and you said that there's like a big hole in it. And you'd uh, restore that, right? Yeah, I, I accidentally ended up restoring drums. Like I've never intended to do it, but like I have such a soft spot for. I mean, it's a piece of wood from who who knows when, formed into a drum. Like you have to try to figure it out, you know. But these drums behind me, the more off-white looking ones, are Rogers Holiday from the sixties. Yeah, Rogers. Um, the uh, more white ones, the one on the bottom is a 50s singling with calfskin heads. And then the Ooh. floor tom stacked on top of that is a 50s WFL. And on top of that is a 50s slingerlin with calfskin heads. 
Damn. Um, All right, now I don't feel as bad about my storage <laughs> unit. <laughs> I and I accidentally like I'm not. I don't have that much of a problem, but I accidentally, coincidentally, Henry, you know this person, um, the beautiful Susan West, mm-hmm. um, who is my music mentor's wife, that started that program that Henry went yep. through and in in Appa. She came out for that blue in December, and she was like, hey, I'm going to get rid of all these drums. They're going to the dumpster. Like, do you want them or not? And went up there, and I was just like, holy shit. Wow. And they're beat. Like, they need a lot of work. And um, I just restored a pre-serial Superphonic from, like, 60 to 63 and got that thing looking all pretty. It's on my Instagram. If you guys want to check it out. But um, And then the Superphonic that I had the bottom head off of is because i literally haven't bought a fucking bottom head yet (laughs) um but this one i decided to leave the patina on um because you know i polished the the other one but it's it's man i mean we all love old instruments for some reason I'm, i'm not really sure why but i think it just makes us feel good and you know some history there and like old shit just sounds better and um yeah, so that's been kind of another thing with like, especially taking time off with 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 our baby and everything. I, I can sneak off in the garage and polish away at some drums and, and still <laughs> do some fun shit and like not feel like I'm like piecing out on tour or anything like that because I literally cannot do that right now. You know, she but. threw up in my mouth. I can restore <laughs> some drums. Like, just just polishing down. <laughs> Be in the garage if you need me. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, start sanding really hard. <laughs> just the whole drum's gone. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's awesome to have that super close. You know what I mean? Because there's not much playing going on anywhere. So like you know, yeah, it's weird. Like ever since I've owned a studio, I've kind of made it a weird thing where like I'm not trying to set up a kid at my house because I respect my lease. And um, <laughs> it's like, you know, I, I was a full studio to go do this. And, and now accidentally we have like close to 10 drum kits at the studio. I'm like, fuck, we got to like thin this out. Like, <laughs> you know, um, and we get that internship going. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what's going on. But Andrew, you got some fucking killer kits too. Like I've always been drooling over your Ludwig standard and that, that uh, Vista light you got. That's awesome. I just recorded the Ludwig standard the other day. Um, it still sounds great, and I haven't really touched it since recording Good Life Pie. The same heads are on it since that, and there was no hole in the bass drum head, so I cut a hole, but it's done with like a felt strip. Okay. Yeah, that guy sounds good. I got that kit for 400 bucks. I think it was actually 300 and then it cost a dollar, 100 bucks to ship. This is when yeah. no one knew what Ludwig standards were, and no one gave a shit. Oh, and now man. that kit, good old days. Eight hundred bucks. I know. I like. I wish I jumped on like twenty of those kits when they when they nobody knew, you know. But they are such great kits. I didn't know you recorded Good Life Pie on that. Uh, I did not. We just got it ready for Good Life Pie, so oh. I got it sounding good, and then it gotcha. hasn't been touched since then. Gotcha. And I regret taking it on tour because I think I took it on the good the Glory Bound tour before that. And uh, I basically knocked all the hardware off of it. So, oh, shit. Um, hardware on those things is pretty cheap, and then it goes. So, I think I knocked out one of the floor tom legs, and I knocked out, um, like, the bass drum spurs and then the tom holder and stuff like that. I was never using any of that stuff, but uh, 
it, it still sounds really good. I rec- that's the kid I recorded at Sunset the other day for singer-songwriter. And then, uh, yeah, that Ludwig I also got on eBay, and that's one of those kits that it was... I was 16 and looking on the internet when the internet was new. You know, like like looking at Google images of like just drum sets that exist. I remember seeing that Ludwig going like, I'm going to own that thing one day. And I think like, you know, 10 years later it came up on eBay or something and I had enough money to get it, so I snatched it up. And it's awesome. I've never seen, I've seen like maybe one other kit like it. I don't think anything else exists. Yeah, you scored on that thing, man. Uh, I I think someone came up to me at a show and they're like, I work for Ludwig and I've never seen anything like this before. So that was like a pretty awesome moment to feel. And then the kit that we both have is a Gretsch. So my old Gretsch I took out of storage the other day for that session as well. And I have like one of those 90 square bread Gretsches and that thing still sounds really, really good and really warm. And I was sad because I wanted to test out the kick drum just to see what it sounded like. And I went into my storage unit and the head was broken. So I was like, oh, well, the standard's good. The producer I'm working with likes the standard. He's heard it on other tracks. So I guess I'll just uh, get it together another day. But it's kind of a pain in the ass because it's like oversized. So it doesn't fit in my car very well. Like it's a 22 by 20. And I'm used oh, okay. to playing the Ludwigs that are 22 by 14, just like right. pops and anywhere. But, uh, yeah, when did you get that Gretsch? And, yeah, Mike has this awesome green Gretsch with gold badges. It's uh, gorgeous. I got it. Actually, this is a really funny story. Um, I was 14, and, you know, my parents gave us, like, a rad upbringing and childhood and stuff. And my dad is like long history where his mom was a flight attendant and like he would get to travel all around the world. And so he wanted to like perpetuate that a little bit. And so they decided that, um, that year the family was going to Hawaii for Christmas, which at that time I was not a surfer. Now that I'm a surfer, I'm like, God damn, that's the best time for waves. Like I wish I would have been able to surf it then. But, um, yeah. And, uh, so my parents like very gently were like, we're going to Maui. We're going to Oahu. Um, we're going to rent the fucking Jeep. We're going to go around Maui to Rotahana. All this. We're, we're, we're going to do it up, you know? Um, so this means you don't get a Christmas present. And like, even us as kids were like, totally cool. You know, like this is absolutely all right. And at that time I was 14. My sister was 10. So it's a very different experience. I was like, guys, like I'm just hoping for a car in the next two years. Like, you know, this is okay. <laughs> and um, we had come home. And uh, my parents, years prior, had uh, built me a little, like, we call it the band room. Basically, my, dad, my dad's a, a contractor. He builds custom homes in, like, Newport and Laguna and all that kind of stuff. But uh, he built me, like, a little 10-foot by 12-foot soundproof room in the backyard, basically, as in, like, all right, we accidentally gave him a drum kit in fourth grade. Like, now we need to, like, contain this situation. <laughs> uh, and they basically were like, hey... Why don't you go like check on the band room and make sure that nothing was stolen while we were gone? And I roll in and the brand new Gretsch kit was there. Wow. And my sister had like a strat, like it was like a squire strat and like, you know, a whole get up too. And um so yeah, they like they straight up went for like the guitar center special. <laughs> and like I had like the Gibraltar rack, I had, like the Sabian symbol pack, like all deal. At the time I was like really into Iron Maiden, so I was like perfect. Um, you know, like an eight, ten, twelve inch tom, and yeah, just like a big <laughs> drum set. 
Yeah. Oh yeah. And uh, I think I accidentally ended up with like two Chinas somehow. Um, That's not enough Chinas. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, and I've had that kit for ever since. So um, it very quickly like became the only kit that I had drum cases for too. So like I was like, okay, I'm gigging. And so like ever since then, that's been like my gigging kit, and I don't play the same amount of toms that it came with anymore regularly, but they still are. It's because you're a coward. (laughs) (laughs) I totally, my grudge is three toms and I've looked for, I actually don't like the floor tom. Uh, I've been looking for a 16 for forever. I actually think I might've found one, but uh, yeah, like I'm the laziest person when it comes to setup. That's why I only play two toms. I'm like, I could have done with two toms. Yeah, yeah, it's just so I can do it. This is rock and roll, baby. Um, But... (laughs) Yeah, it's like, and so like, give me up the stage so I can drink and hang out. <laughs> yeah, and like, yeah, but like I've always been like so. I mean, I think you're familiar with that kid. I think you've played it countless times. You know what I mean? And I just always like love to throw it on stage and just let whoever play it. And it's such a great kit. And um, it's actually birch, which is kind of an unusual wood type hmm. for a drum kit. Um, I mean, it's it's second most common to maple. I would probably say. But um, it's it's been great, man. I still I don't have it in the garage right now because I accidentally happen to have like eighteen other fucking drums right now. But um, yeah, it's over at the studio, and um, we have a WFL at the studio. We got Slingerland, we got DW, Tama, a bunch of other weird shit. So um, the Gretsch is something special, though, man, for sure. Oh, I will say for the new record, I think we could talk about this a little bit, at least at this point. Uh, I did all DW. Oh, and really? Then one snare. So the limitations, we, we can't talk about this that much, but um, it was one snare by this company called British Drum Sh- uh, Co. that our producer had just bought. I played all the cymbals he just had on the kit, and I played all of his stuff. I'm like, wow. don't touch any of my stuff. I'm going to make this stuff sound like it's supposed to sound, or we're going to do it with the engineering side of things, which he was like super cool about. And so we did a bunch of different things with like room mics and stuff like that to really change stuff up from song to song. It sounds really wow. good. Wow. How'd you like the DW kit? Uh, he, he has some kind of like crazy custom one. It's like a 23 inch kick drum. Like prime number kind of weird theory. Yeah. It's some like awkward size. He told me he just bought a new head for it and it was extremely cheap because it was a blow because they're basically not making them anymore. No one buys them. Um, but yeah, uh, it was cool. It's like a 23, and then he put all uh, uh, coated heads on it. I think it was just like 12, 14 or something like that, like smaller tom sizes. Mm-hmm. And then the snare was like a 14 by 7, some kind of monster. Okay. And sounds like phenomenal on everything. We do like an up-tempo, like funky track that's high-pitched, and it sounded good on that, and it sounded good on the ballot. It did like fucking everything, so... That's great. Yeah, it's man. exciting. Yeah, DW is one of those those drum kits where like I hear so many people play them and they sound fantastic, and then I play them and I sit down. I'm like, fuck, I'm not making this thing sound good at all. Like <laughs> I don't know what's going on, and it's for some reason I've like never been able to have a connection with it. And then coincidentally, this past month I ended up with a DW kit, and I'm like, all right, let's go. We're going in, you know. Um, but they make fantastic drums. Yeah, they're great, man. 
Mike, you make me feel better about my life being the uh, jack of all trades, master of none over here with the, all the projects you do. Uh, and it sounds like you've at least mastered some of them. You're like, it sounds like you're responsible for half of the Orange County music scene right now. You're oh, filling geez. the gap that John O'Brien <laughs> left when he left. Oh, so. geez. I'll call John. We'll talk about this. Um, no, we should actually no. have John on at some point and talk about oh, dude, I, love, yeah. I love John so here. much. Yeah, he, he is. He's so, so good. And I mean, really, I mean, I thank you for saying that, but like, I really do feel like that's all I want to do is like help as many people as I can in this music scene. Cause like, it's so special to me. And like, you guys have, have been such great friends over the years. And like, you know, this it's what it's all about. Like, why not try to bring everybody else up? You know, why are we, why are we doing this other than having some community? So, and John Hampton too, is, yeah. is such a, a killer aspect of that. And, I'm so stoked to see these these shows going on and really excited for this Saturday and um yeah, I can't wait to see see us all fucking come out with a bang, you know. Yeah, and that that's yeah, man. So right. that, you know, this this weekend we're all going to be at Hangar 24. You're going to be doing sound, we're going to be playing and uh we're excited for it. So everyone that's listening right now, listening live or maybe listening a couple days from now, and you're local, come down to Hangar 24 in Irvine. Saturday, we'll be there. With Balto opening up the show. Yeah. And Mike Wilson doing sound for the whole show. Yeah. And uh, last but not least, we're going to uh, play a track that you sent us over, Mike. And uh, <clears throat> I'm guessing without knowing that you played drums on this track. I did. Um it is uh it's uh Shapeataki's new single if I'm not if is am I right? Yeah. That's correct. Yeah. And so oh, that's yeah. uh we're going to play that up for everyone and we want to thank Mike so much for being a part of this podcast this evening. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Great guys. If you, you Mike if you're still trying to figure out what Mike does, we're going to have all those links underneath the description in the bio of this episode. So please go check all that stuff out and uh, be good to each other and get, get wrecked. And here is Shapeataki's new single. Don't- 